Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 53 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Now, Angelo, we need to note something very, very quickly uh, right at the outset. This is the first time we've ever done this, but this is part two of a two-part episode where part one uh, was begun somewhere else. So tonight we have some very special guests with us. Uh, Angelo, would you like to introduce them? We have Andrew and Amber of the Into the Portal podcast from the other side of our country. Hey, guys. Would you like to explain where the other side of the country is to those who <laughs> don't know who we are and where we are? Uh, oh, yeah, I guess. We're in Canada. We're in, we're in Quebec, which is on one side of the country. And Amber and Andrew are all the way on the other side in British Columbia. Uh, Col- uh, Kelowna, if I'm not mistaken? Yep, that's we correct. We are, yes. Repping the West Coast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There we go. <laughs> now, Angela, have you ever gone to the West Coast before? The furthest west I've been in Canada is uh, Hamilton. <laughs> are you serious willingly i guess no no actually it's niagara falls oh, okay wow you know what though that actually that's that's not so bad because i've only ever been to the east coast one time and it was just the toronto airport and that's it so yeah, yeah. i guess i've never gone for it's such a massive country we live so. in so it's mm-hmm. just like it's impossible to get out yeah <laughs> so what you're saying is like angelo amber andrew you've only visited like a max of like three provinces four provinces let's say i yeah three I think that's it. Two. That's the tally. Two provinces. Ah. Okay. It's a big country, man. <laughs> so sad. So sad. It's really sad. I think something we need to know before this, like, so if you want to listen to part one, you need to head over to Into the Portal's website in order to get the full uh, Into the Portal double density experience. Because what we're doing here is we're doing kind of like a cross country trek, uh, since we're all Canadian here, of going like west coast to east coast about um, weird, strange, and wonderful things that you can find in every single province and territory. So, in order to sort of catch up on the more western provinces, I'd suggest you start with part one. I think that makes the most sense. Mm, yes, indeed. Indeed. We've it will be available some, uh, this Sunday. Yeah. Mm hmm. I guess before that, though, Angelo, I feel like you want to ask a couple of like really, really burning questions. Well, no, it's it's just that whenever we have our 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 friends from other paranormal podcasts, because we're a half and half podcast, we do tech and paranormal. Obviously, I always like to know about their setup because uh, I'm under the impression, and from what they've been telling me, is that uh, both of you guys are not exactly. Uh, super techie type people no we're we're definitely not <laughs> this whole venture into podcasting has been a steep learning curve for us yep. uh since day one for sure but mm-hmm. it's been really fun though like we've learned a lot definitely just trial and error wise holy for moly sure. yeah we've come leaps and bounds hey yeah. it's been like what like three months almost just under three months so yeah, yeah. so it's, it hasn't been very long but <laughs> It seems like it feels like it's been a lot longer though, like just because of the you know the issues with RSS feed stuff oh and switching goodness. to three different you know we're that on our nightmare third with SoundCloud. And <gasps> so it just feels like it's been longer than three months, but uh, yeah. Oh well, you, you don't want to get us started on SoundCloud, right, Brian? Yeah, no, it was a it's been a horrible experience uh, all the way through. We thought they were going to go bankrupt last year, which is why we switched over. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, that's right. Well, you, yeah, you guys mentioned that to well, us. Well, yeah, uh, I heard your rant on it last episode. <laughs> that last too, episode, yeah, that too, that. Mm-hmm. which I hadn't heard of, and that's that's yeah. I mean, who knows if that's going to happen? I guess, eh? But uh, I yeah, we I'm enjoy Audio Boom though, so we've switched over to Audio Boom, and it's mm-hmm. great. We love it. It's awesome. The analytics are awesome, yeah. and it's just super easy to use, and everything was really quick, and it was great. So yeah, it's yeah. Been really good. So you can find us on there now. There's some really good podcaster focused hosts now out there uh audio boom uh, is one of them we're with fireside which is uh we've mentioned several times on the show which is a great uh podcaster centric uh service it's only for podcasts really there's nothing else you could really host on there and it works really well so going through that though what's what was your setup how has it changed like so 
What was your initial setup when you first started? Okay, well, when we first started, we were actually feeling pretty good about ourselves because we were chatting with um, Travis from the History of Alchemy podcast, and he told us that when he first started out, when he was living in the Czech Republic, they bought like a $6 microphone from like a garage sale, (laughs) and were using that for their first mic and then upgraded later on. So we felt like we really balled out because we spent like 110 (laughs) bucks or whatever, and uh, yeah, we 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 use the blue Yeti, like the Yeti mm-hmm. microphone from from, uh, from yeah, blue microphones, and yeah. it's awesome. It looks cool. It's got kind of like the retro look that I was looking for, and oh, we knew nothing about microphones. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just have the one right now, like for this recording, but we just picked up a second one too. Yeah, yeah. So that we're gonna try to that. hopefully improve <laughs> the sound quality. We're waiting on some windscreens and stuff, and mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is all new to us though, but. Hopefully we can improve the sound quality. We're just doing this on in like in a bedroom in a small room. Yeah, carpeted, lots but, uh, of posters on the wall and everything. So it kind of helps with soundproofing. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Definitely room for that. No, that definitely helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that's 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 the setup basically, and yeah, just rocking GarageBand, which is like it's user friendly. Amber's mm-hmm. been the one who's kind of taken the reins with that though because I would go to try to edit something and then 2 seconds later it's just it's gone. It's like that's thing from <laughs> South Park where it's like so I just yeah, no I just threw my hands up. I'm like I'm not doing this ever. So Amber does all the editing. I think that's one of the more interesting parts of like when you have a podcast with someone else is trying to figure out like the division of labor, right? So when Angela and I started, I guess I had more experience with like audio editing. So I kind of took that on and then we sort of, uh, we now split because Angela apparently loves editing, which is weird to me. Um, <laughs> but it's kind of interesting, like as you continue to sort of, you know, work on a project, you realize like where your like your strongest points kind of lie uh, mm-hmm. in doing things and like kind of uh, in errors as well as in successes, Totally. Well, I also took over the editing because I, I kind of felt bad because you, uh, when we initially started the podcast, you were between jobs. So you actually had much more time to edit. Mm. And then you started working and you kind of were stuck editing and working at the same time, which wasn't super helpful. Well, not literally at the same time. Like I didn't bring my laptop to work. <laughs> you should. I uh, feel like they'd, they'd appreciate it if I just started audio editing in the middle of the office. Yeah, that'd be great. And uh, I I had a lot of experience editing years ago when I was, uh, like, I recorded a whole album by myself in my parents' basement using uh, the first version of GarageBand in 2004 Crazy. on my little iBook. What, what was yeah. that like? Your own album? Like, music yeah. album? No yeah. way. What do you play? Yeah. I played everything on the album, uh, except the drums were drum loops that were programmed. Very cool. What? What kind of music? Just, like, standard early 2000s rock. <laughs> <laughs> just the standard <laughs> that sounds it's, awesome that's awesome yeah it's on soundcloud if if like we actually mentioned this in has the episode aired yet no no uh, so it's the episode that comes out on wednesday uh, so last week's episode uh, i mentioned that if you can you could probably find my soundcloud profile with like seven or eight or nine songs oh we're gonna be searching that oh yeah <laughs> including uh yeah the, the, <laughs> brian kind of made fun of me for having uh, sung my own song at my wedding Aww, well, no, you didn't, awesome, you didn't sing your that's own song. Great. You recorded You recorded your own song for your wedding. Like, you didn't get up there and sing a song to your <laughs> No, no, bride. I didn't. Yeah, I was dancing with my wife at the time, so I couldn't get up there and sing. But, yeah, I recorded a version of a song. So, uh, yeah, so I've been recording for years, but then I, like, you know, you have kids, you have a house to worry about. Stuff oh, I know, I know. I have all those things yeah. to worry about. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah, us too. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you guys are multimillionaires if you have a house in B.C. 
<laughs> right? Yeah, That's why we're, yeah, yeah. We Congrats. live with my parents right now. <laughs> Basement life. <laughs> <laughs> um, There's no, no shame. shame. In that. No shame no in shame. saying that. I, I'm, I'm cool with it. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Temporary. <laughs> so what has been like the biggest surprise for you guys since you started? Um, I don't know. What do biggest you think? Biggest surprise? Honestly, I feel like all the connections we've made with people, like, you guys and other podcasts like it's just grown like our community and like i feel like we've just we've got a whole bunch of new friends now i feel like that's the biggest surprise for me yeah. i didn't really think about that when we first started yeah like we didn't expect to yeah we didn't expect to network as quickly as we we've been able to mm-hmm. and i guess it's it's we're just it's nice because we're finally feel like we've we're interacting with like like-minded people that are interested yeah. in the same stuff and we like for example we were not on twitter we were like not twitter people oh. at all and then I, you know, created the account for the podcast and then I was like, Amber, you should, you know, have an account too. And she was like, oh, like rolling her eyes at me. Like, yeah. didn't want to do it. I was all about the Insta. I yeah. like Insta. And, and now I'm, sure I'm enough, totally we, changing yeah. that. I'm all about Twitter these days and <laughs> it's less just fun, about Instagram. Right? It's fun to, yeah. It, mm-hmm. It's just been, it's just, it's been surprising the response we've gotten. It's been really positive and yeah, we've met a lot of cool people like you guys. So it's been fun. Yeah. I guess this is a great place if you guys want to go ahead and plug your socials and your website. <laughs> yeah, well, you can find us at uh, intotheportal.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, on Twitter, it's uh, at intotheportal1. And then Amber's on there at yeah, Amber, Ray, Amber Ray 1992. 1992. And then you can find us on Instagram as well at intotheportalpodcast. And we're trying to, um, yeah, keep everybody updated on all our social media and stuff. So you can come chat with us on those platforms. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll be adding them to the show notes anyway, so everybody can go. Cool. Awesome. awesome. Thank you. Double Density presents the sounds of your youth. Double Density. Well, um, one thing that I have to say is you guys mentioned you use GarageBand, so that means you have a Mac. Which uh, Mac do you use? So we're using, uh, we have, we each have a MacBook, but we're using mine, which is uh, like a 2017 MacBook Air, just the most basic one you can get. Uh, <laughs> Literally, I'm clicking the Apple icon in the corner of my screen right now because I don't even know what kind of MacBook I have. <laughs> you have it. You oh have, my God. Amber, oh, this is a, hurting my okay. brain. Amber has a, it's, it's a MacBook Pro. It's a 13 oh. inch um, from 2012. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's what Brian has. I really? do. Exactly. I, Yes, I had the 13-inch from mid-2012. Oh, nice. Awesome. Mac friends. Yeah. Mac friends. <laughs> High five. <laughs> and I'm rocking a super old iPad here, too, for some extra notes. I got it on the side. Yeah, you gotta. I got, like, a 2012 iPad as well. <laughs> <laughs> and my Surface 3. <laughs> we never use that, though. Surface 3 is useless. <laughs> kind of is a little bit, yeah. And then, I ha- and then because I'm, I'm old and I have failing eyes, I have a giant 27-inch iMac with a giant 13-inch iPad. And a big ass uh, iPhone. You've got a sweet setup there, man. Man, jealous. Oh yeah, I just took a picture of it, and you guys liked it, so that's that made me happy. <laughs> well, <there> you... <laughs> how did you guys fall into the idea of making this podcast? Well, we definitely were inspired by other podcasts. Yeah, um, I think my main impetus was when I was working in a vineyard and so I basically had the headphones in all day listening to podcasts and just going through I think my main ones were Astonishing Legends of course uh, Monsters Among Us uh, I really like Rumor Flies too those guys are pretty funny 
And so you so, started with those guys. Yeah, those yeah. Guys. And then gradually I introduced Andrew to them, and then he became a huge fan. She actually we, got me a job at the winery. I actually got him a job so at the winery, too, yeah. <laughs> so then I ended up... Um, so we were doing bottling together, and we just listened to podcasts all day, and yeah. it was lots of fun. But then we thought, well... Why don't we do our own? Right? We were just there was some subjects that we wanted to do, to cover that hadn't been done by, by the shows we listened to, and we were like, well, we waited till after Christmas because we were like, well, we're broke, so <laughs> we wait till after Christmas, and then we we're like, screw it, let's just buy a mic. And as soon as we bought a mic, we we're like, mm-hmm. just dove right into it, whipped up. Um, yeah. We took like two New weeks year, and researched an episode, and yeah, mm-hmm. did the Lost Army of Canvases as our first episode. And we weren't really sure what the podcast was at that point, really. Like, we, we had the name and everything, and we knew we wanted to do history, myths, and legends, but we weren't... We just kind of went, just freestyled with it, like, researched it, and then just, like, had a bunch of notes and just, like, went with it. And that's pretty much how we do every episode, to be honest. We just research, <laughs> research, research, and then have a bunch of notes, and then just kind of free-for-all. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's basically how we got started. We were just sitting around after Christmas. Yeah. Just figured, why not? And- and you guys mentioned your your listening habits were uh, you were on the vineyard and listening to podcasts. I, I, that's how I like. I've been listening to podcasts since like two thousand five or six. Like wow. I, because I'm old, and uh, <laughs> I'm lucky. I work I work in admissions at a university, so I'm. It's not like I have to talk to people most of the time. I can just well, you also to choose podcasts. not to talk to people. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that helps. That helps. For a few years, when Brian and I worked together, it was actually uh, a, an interviewer for for students would come in and meet me and. Uh, I, I kind of I liked the job because it was a better job, but I I hated the part where I couldn't listen to podcasts while I was talking to students because they, they totally they was frowned upon. Right, but um, yeah. So I but I had I had bought like my own little dock to like listen to podcasts between students, and uh, so I've been listening for a long time. But starting a podcast seemed daunting until Brian kind of like uh, brought it to my attention and said, "Hey, let's let's start something," and uh, it uh, it all worked out. I wish we had started this like. Five years ago, though. Oh, us that's, too. That's what we were. That's what we've been saying to ourselves yeah. too. Because all the, all those years we were in university and had some free time, and mm-hmm. we and we, we had all the resources right there, and we could have yeah. just been. We, but we were always so it, inspired but... too, hey, by all the subjects yeah. and everything that we were studying. That's all good so. though. Better late than ever, right? Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you guys are doing great. Well, thank you. So this oh, is thanks. your first podcast for both of you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's how do you guys uh, like go in and pick a topic for like so you've done as of right now there are like ten episodes and how do you go about like being like this sounds like an into the portal uh, podcast topic? Well, it's Good funny, question. you know. I we, I don't think we've actually done an episode that includes a, a very distinguishable portal yet or anything interdimensional. <laughs> really, we're okay. sort of I don't we have a few like uh, lined up for down the way, but for like for picking episodes, I don't know like. I'm obsessed with cryptozoology, so those ones are always easy, and we try to pepper those in, kind of, you know, stagger them. We don't want to mm-hmm. do, you know, a whole bunch of uh, cryptid creatures in a row or anything like that. But, I mean, we, our interests are We have our, like, like, genres, right? So we're like, do we want to do, like, a UFO-type thing? We actually haven't done any UFO-type No, yet. We're yet. saving that for Rob. We'll, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. We're saving it for Christofferson. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we have, like, a list. I have this, like, document on my computer that has, like, about probably... A list of maybe 40 to 50 topics so we kind of just like peruse that whenever we're just like stuck for inspiration or whatever for that week and just be like you know yeah, what? we were like Let's drinking one day and we like made a whole list like in order and we were like yeah like we're gonna stick to this like this <laughs> one to 50 totally and then now we're like we've jumped around from like 1 to 27 back yeah. to 15 like so i don't know there's no rhyme or reason to it but we're we always like to kind of take things back to ancient history as much as we can 
and and try to give like a historical context to the things we're talking about. I don't know. That's kind of where my that's where our interests are, and that's how we try to pick topics. Like, yes, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, we'll choose something super specific, but then we'll do it in broad strokes. Yeah, <laughs> I've definitely noticed that trend. We're <laughs> just like, let's bring in everything. <laughs> well, the, the show you guys did, uh, the episode that came out as we're recording this, this one is the latest one is the one about the the, the coral castle in Florida. Yeah, yeah, which was really weird. I'd never heard of it. Really what? Uh, cool. Yeah, okay. awesome. I mean. I've gone to Florida a few times in the last few years, but we just end up going to Disney World and we kind of avoid the rest of the weirdness that is Florida. <laughs> right. Uh, we didn't even so. realize that Florida was weird until oh, yeah, who, who that, told yeah. us. I, mean, I guess it was Chris. Yeah, Chris, Chris and Marie. They were like, like, you know, Florida is the weird place. state. Yeah. It's like, oh, did not realize yeah, that. You, you need to uh, to follow, uh, a, uh, what's it called, Brian? Florida Man? Florida the, Man, the, yeah. Yeah, what? because... Well, every like news headline starts with a Florida man. So, <laughs> right, there, right, there right. Okay. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. So, is that a dream destination for you, Angelo, this year? Like, like we're probably going to Florida again this year. Probably going to Disney World again. Oh, you're going to uh, check out Coral Castle then? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I'll be able to drag the family off the uh, Disney World Resort to go to some <laughs> weird uh, guy's fantasy castle. Yeah, All you need I, is one family member, man. It's a tough sell. It's a tough sell. <laughs> Let's go look at Rob. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> We're going with uh, our friends, so like I'll I'll go with uh, with my my other friend who's actually a listener of this show, so he's probably listening to this right now, and we'll go together to this coral castle. We'll, uh, we'll nice. discuss it when we meet uh, to to figure out the the logistics of the vacation. Cool. <laughs> take photos if you go, please. Yeah, I'll be looking or video to actually, that'd be even better. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that was a really fun episode we did um, with uh, Mad Scientist Pod. That was. Uh, they they take kind of definitely the the hardline scientist mm-hmm. rational perspective, yeah. which brought us back down to earth for sure. But um, it was fun. We it was time. good. Yeah, yeah that, really and that's how thing. we that's how we approach things too. So that's we'll we'll probably be doing that. Uh, it, it'll be two weeks in a row for you guys where you have uh, a couple of skeptics. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> it's good to have balance. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and that was your first actual interview show right where you did the whole skype thing well we we did one other one uh mm-hmm. with travis from the history of alchemy that was the first time with three people like three three different locations but okay. um we did do one before over skype and we it was actually oh, oh my gosh you guys it was you're so gonna funny. love slash hate this and I'm, I'm actually pretty sure that it, this happened at the beginning of our recording as well and i fixed it but oh, anyway really? um we we have this like little electric fireplace in our bedroom and we forgot to shut it off when we recorded with Travis. Oh, no. So we ended up, it sounded like we were, like, cooking microwave popcorn for the entire episode, basically. <laughs> so so we had to use his end of the audio, which was fine, except um, we were too stupid to do a different recording on ours so we could, like, layer it. So we just had his end with us over Skype yeah. as the sound, basically. It was very crude. Very... Anyway, it was just, it didn't work out, but... That was when we were noobs. Well, the good news is I hear no fans right now, so... Okay, we're good. Awesome. We're good. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Until a cryptid bun- like, busts in and then we have to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always have a backup going, so right now I have you guys being recorded. I use um, I use an app that I try to, like... Uh, I, I sing the praises of it, and I preach the gospel of Audio Hijack. Oh, okay. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a Mac-only app, and it's really, really good. Uh, because what happens is that... If I ha- I prefer having just a light app running in the background because GarageBand takes up a lot of processor cycles. So right. having this just running, it's like a simple thing and it creates a nice high quality MP3 that I send to Brian or that I just put into my 
uh, into my logic session and it works well. Like I, well, it's funny because we were saying before how I started editing what it was 30 episodes in Brian, 35, 30 35. Yeah. Crazy. And within a few uh, weeks of editing, I'm like, oh, screw garage band. I'm buying logic pro 10 and I ended up getting logic pro. Yeah. You is, always uh, do that. You always go, should I buy this? And then two weeks later you hit me up. You're like, I bought it. I know. <laughs> That's like me too. That's like me too. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of like lay it down and be like, Oh yeah, look at this. This looks cool. And then, Amber turns around and I've bought a couple of them. Yep. Maybe. <laughs> Before I even know it. Yeah. Things we don't need. <laughs> yeah. Most of the time. It was, uh, yeah. It, 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 it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I, I, I asked Brian, oh, what do you think? Should I get this? Like, no, nah, man, you don't need it. And I'm like, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> it's always the case. You, it's like three or four items. We have there. Amazon Prime, so it's too easy now. I'm just like, well, I already pay for it. So it's free shipping. I'm just going to order it. It's great. <laughs> yeah free shipping two-day shipping but we're still waiting on stuff it's been over yeah a week. that's you know what you guys are the tech guys i i have amazon prime but i order something i have free shipping but then it still takes freaking a month to get here i don't get complain. it complain complain no that I'm makes like, no sense i know mm-hmm. and then i'm looking at like, my i'm looking at my expected delivery date and it's like it ain't two days <laughs> so. if you complain enough they'll give you a couple of free months for sure you oh, know what i'm gonna i'm gonna tip. do it do it yeah, seriously do, yeah definitely <laughs> Because that makes no sense. I the I I'm I'm using a new pair of headphones tonight, and I ordered these on Sunday of last week, and I ended up getting them on Wednesday. And I don't have Prime. Okay. What? Well, that's BS, man. BS. Yes. Yeah. Seriously. I'm gonna kick. I'm gonna kick up a fuss. It's conspiracy. I'm gonna find. I'm gonna find. Uh, what's his? I'm gonna find Bezos. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get him. Go for it. <laughs> have you seen him lately, though? That guy's I don't jacked mess now. With him. I know. Yeah. He went from like. He went from like 98 pounds sitting in the back of like a coffee shop to, yeah, he's like, he looks like WWE or something. Oh, seriously? <laughs> he does. He's like super jacked. He's all veiny and weird. He looks, you know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of that guy with the glasses from the Food Network. So why don't we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode? Um, so the idea is on the first half of this crossover on uh, your show, we talked about um, some of the Western provinces as well as some of the territories. And tonight we're going to start things off in Nunavut. And I know that Angela has been doing a little bit of research about something very particular that happens in Nunavut or rather a place mm. in Nunavut where uh, weird things have happened. Cool. Cool. Yes, that would be Anjikuni Lake. Oh. Uh, it's an interesting story of a town that... Well, town, it's hard to say it's a town. It was a small fishing village that pretty much just disappeared. Crazy. And uh, I had never heard of this until uh, our friend Sam Fredrickson, not alone, talked about it on his podcast. And mm-hmm. I've done some more research into it and uh, just to talk about it. And I thought it was the most interesting thing to do with uh, Nunavut for in terms of paranormal uh, events. And the thing that catches my eye is not just the fact that the town apparently disappeared well the the sorry not the town itself the actual people that lived there disappeared but at the same time there was a sort of uh early ufo sighting before they were even called ufos where a trapper named arnold laurent and his son they saw some weird strange lights headed towards the village and then at the same time this trapper named joe labelle was he was he had been trapping for the whole day and stuff and he was coming across this village he knew of and it was completely abandoned. Hmm. And one of the, the accounts of it says that in the distance, he saw like a fire burning and there was like food left in it. And then he would go into the different huts and saw that people had left their food. But other accounts say that it seemed like it was abandoned for a few years or just a year. So that the problem with this story, though, is that 
there's so many different accounts of it that it seems like it may have been just created mm-hmm. for right. a book by someone named Frank Edwards. Mm. And if you go to the RCMP's website, they actually talk about it, which is kind of cool. Interesting. Um, but they say it's totally false, that it, it was created by this Frank Edwards guy. The problem with that is that they're lying because there are actual accounts of Joe LaBelle talking about this in the 30s to a few different newspapers. And this was a story that came out in the 30s. It was actually something that happened. The thing is, is like I said, it's been embellished so much that the town grew from what is actually likely, which was 20 to 35 residents, to uh, 1,500 to 2,000, which is even unlikely now in Nunavut because it's so so treacherous to actually live there. Mm-hmm. There I think the 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 largest town is the capital and it's like five to ten thousand uh people. Right. So right. Uh, it's it's not exactly a highly populated part of our country. But I did find the story interesting in that the theory I like the most is that those lights were actually UFOs and they abducted an entire town. Mm. crazy had you guys ever heard of this story okay no i have not I heard never of yeah until you mentioned it the other night yeah. in our conversation and that's that's fascinating so there was no bodies found hey no well speaking of bodies one of the things that the rcmp when they did go investigate from the reports again the rcmp states they haven't done this but there's other reports stating that they did they came across um a town with no one in it, a small village with no one in it, but also the graves of the village were dug up and the bodies were missing. What? Bizarre. Government yeah. conspiracy. That's the, that's the part that, yeah, that's the part <laughs> that really like is spine tingling in that there's this entire place that completely got taken away and also the grave sites were, were kind of a thing. The, the thing that kind hmm. of also bothered me too is that when he got there, there was no people, but there were a few of their, their sleigh dogs left over. What? Interesting. So there was still yeah, life was there. It just was, there was just no trace of human Interesting. life. How are the dogs behaving? Like what state were they in? He said they seemed frightened. Again, though, other accounts say all the dogs were sadly uh, dead. So that, that's, oh, that's okay. the problem with this story is that there's some accounts saying that there were dogs that were there and they were acting strangely. Right. Um, there were some fires still burning. Other accounts say, like I said, that the food was all charred and the, the fires were all gone. One thing that is consistent is that um, all their rifles that they had were left, which was very odd oh. uh, to this uh, trapper that came across it. Yeah, that's that's said, strange. Yeah, that's bizarre. They would always have their they would always have the rifles with them. It's dangerous to go out alone. Yeah, yeah, because I my my I was gonna I was just gonna ask because could there have been anything else that had happened at the time that sh- could have been another possible explanation for why they had to flee? But if you're gonna flee, you're gonna take your guns with you. So mm-hmm. that's um, presumably unless you're in such a big rush that you are just just going that you know it's funny and i did mention this again in our conversation but just how that scenario the guy walking in where it's a freshly abandoned where there's like you know presumably um yeah like you said like food on the table so to speak and that kind of thing and no bags packed or whatever just reminded me of diatlov hey a little bit obviously with that case the bodies were found they were dead and then it kind of 
like went on with an investigation. But this is fascinating to me because there's no bodies. Yeah. So what happened to yeah, these Yeah, and there's no sign of struggle either from what, what I understood is that there was mm. no tracks or anything. The thing right. is, is if they had been abandoned for a while, the snow would get rid of the tracks pretty quickly. Right. So that's that's a bit of a non-issue there. Yeah, the, the similarity to the Atlov is is more the lights and stuff, right? That right. people saw. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Yes. possible orb sightings or something like oh, that. Oh, totally, yeah. That's very fascinating. Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to take this in a completely different direction. Uh, do you guys know the novella Who Goes There? It's a 1938 novella. No, no, I do not. Know. No, by John Campbell. So it's a, it's 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 fiction, obviously, but it's the basis for a movie called The Thing from Another World, um, which came out in 1951, and then John Carpenter remade it in the early 80s. And it's this whole idea where this team finds a crashed UFO, and uh, the being jumps from body to body. And then at the end, like, no one's found. So I'm, I'm beginning to think that maybe if we want to crank up the crazy, like, we can maybe think about going into that direction. You'll have to put some John Carpenter music behind this, Brian. <laughs> I could definitely do that. But, yeah, I it's such an interesting case because of the fact that, like, there are no remains. And then, like, the other thing, too, is that, like, no one ventured downwind, I guess would be the best word, in, in order to sort of, like, alert any officials or anything, right? No, exactly. It was just this trapper who came across it, and he's the one who made it to um, apparently a telegram station, although, again, that's something that's refuted in that there were no telegram stations anywhere near there at this time. Hmm. So, you know, there's a case to make that this whole thing was completely made up. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the RCMP stay, mm-hmm. say that. that but, but it was written about in a newspaper, although, yeah. obviously, uh, it could have been the 30s version of fake news. Maybe. I mean... That's definitely a possibility, but yeah, I'm I'm just sorry. I'm just reading the link here that you sent. It's saying, yeah, the RCMP also stated it's also this is a quote. It is also believed that such a large village would never have been possible in such a remote area. Like how many? That's end quote. How many people are we talking about in this village? Okay, and and they're referring to what I agree with. There's no way some they were saying some a village of, of 1,500 to 2,000. That's oh, impossible. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. But 25 to 30 is well within the realm of possibility. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that yeah. sounds more reasonable to me. Huh. And that and that's more within the realm of possibility for a disappearance as well. I mean, if you're talking about yes. a town of 500 to 1,000 or whatever, that's less believable than, yeah, 30, 50, 75, whatever it may be. Like, that's a really small community. And that's where weird stuff always happens. Yeah. <laughs> remote areas where no one's watching. like that. <laughs> Next to a giant lake. Of course. The hey, giant lakes, weird mm, stuff happens. Well, that's right? another, you know what? That's another interesting aspect of of this case is fresh water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember the yeah. exact stat, but it's like something like, you know, 70 plus percent of UFO sightings are linked to water. Oh, yes. Um, oh, really? Yeah. They're, they're always around water, like Lake Baikal in Russia, for example. Mm-hmm. It's the largest fresh body water in the world. And there's just like such a hot yeah. spot for UFO sightings. But there was that been... Australian example as well. I can't remember the lake off the top of my head. Right. But again. And they were, they, there was instances where people were reporting um, water being sucked up into the UFO. Right. So maybe in this case, it wasn't water getting sucked up. It was people. <laughs> <laughs> well said, Amber. <laughs> Listen, at this point, anything is possible, I think. <laughs> with this type of story for sure yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's an interesting one 
Cool. So we're going to move southwest from Nunavut to Ontario. And originally I was thinking about doing... Uh, a case that I was sharing with Angelo because it's it's also apart from being an unsolved mysteries episode, it's also like a huge hoax. And I thought the idea of of telling people to go stand in a certain field and stare off into space for hours at a time would be funny, but also kind of sad. So I decided to not do that, <laughs> and instead I wanted to do something that's kind of more in your guys's realm. I want to talk about a cryptid cool. that has a range of like from everywhere from like the Maritimes to like mid Manitoba. And then downwards, uh, basically from the tip of where Ontario and sort of like uh, Nunavut kind of like intersect, um, all the way like down to the sort of like the mid United States, I guess would be the best way of putting it. And I want to ask your uh, opinion on this. How do you pronounce the word? Do you pronounce it Windigo or Windigo? Because I've heard both and I was curious Mm -hmm. if you guys had a better suggestion for it. I've just been pronouncing it Windigo. Yeah. Just the just just classic. But when we looked into it, I mean, there's probably when you when you look through each group uh, within the same kind of like language family like or whatever, there's groups. there's like thirty different spellings of it. Yeah, there's um, Wittigo, Wittigo. Yeah, you know, there's so many. You know, so I was trying to figure out the best way of because I've heard well, people say both. So I was kind of curious. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I would go with the authority on this, and that would be the CW show Supernatural, and they <laughs> yeah. call this uh, Wendigo. Wendigo. Okay, so we're going to go with Wendigo. Cool. Uh, so <laughs> the Wendigo is a dark spirit. You know, it's the opposite of all things good. And uh, it stalks many parts of the United States and Canada, ranging, you know, from Quebec, uh, touching the Maritimes, Little Labrador, through Ontario, Manitoba. And it sort of, you know, um, goes along with this tale, right? The idea that uh, a man and another man trapped in the wilderness, uh, one decides to eat the other and he consumes some human flesh and then an evil spirit decides to possess him because of it, Right. And uh, he slowly becomes insane and can't stop his hunger for more flesh and just never feeling satiated, right? So the idea um, that this sort of exists as a cautionary tale about eating another man, I guess, would be the best way of putting it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And the other really interesting thing, I think, is I don't know if you guys have read a lot about this, but like the appearance of a Wendigo sort of varies from like description to description and it varies kind of wildly right mm-hmm. yeah no i we, we've definitely you know it's funny that. um just earlier today even we were listening to graveyard tales because they just released an episode on the wendigo yeah and oh. they were saying something very similar right all these yeah. these inconsistencies in the description that kind of result in the skeptics being like oh it's all it's all made up it's all it's whatever. just folklore. like it's exactly yeah right. mm-hmm. yeah no like the, some people very, sorry go ahead brian no, 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 go ahead. Sorry, you probably had a really good point to make. Oh, no. <laughs> well, just, yeah, I mean, the the most distinguishable description, I guess, uh, that I came across was obviously, like, extremely tall, like, eight feet plus, sometimes mm-hmm. even beyond ten feet, and gaunt, like, sickly, yeah. sickly and gaunt with, like, tight skin, and, um, mm. yeah, but then also uh, instances of other ones that are very small, or, like, much smaller than right. eight feet. So, yeah, so it's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because some of them are just like some people have described the Wendigo to look at least twenty feet tall, if not above, yeah. or as tall as trees. And others have said it like kind of looks like it looks like like a haggard human being who's just been through like right. hell, basically. Yeah, like a little um, golem or something. Yeah, yeah, and I kind of find it interesting too because it, it ties into a larger oral tradition, right? Of of these tales being passed down through a you know a bunch of tribes, right? So the Cree, the Mi'kmaq the uh chippewa and i'm forgetting like two or three more for sure but like it's kind of interesting that these tales exist and there's that that commonality of like language uh there and sort of like the way in which these stories get propagated definitely Mm -hmm. yeah no definitely language is an interesting thing it's um 
it's kind of bizarre how how things translate. I'm sure, and there's there's other kind of Wendigo esque creatures as well, like in other indigenous cultures that just aren't called Wendigo, which is mm-hmm. or even serve different functions in their culture. Because we, we looked into the stick people, right? For an example, sorry, this is a different, but again, same thing where you hear about this in multiple tribes across Canada and the U.S. Yeah, and they all have their own sort of conception of it at the same time, but it all sort of is in the umbrella category of the same thing. Yeah. But they also serve, like, some of them will be benevolent, some of them will be helpful, and then other ones will be not Definitely be, not benevolent. Yeah, benevolent the and just, yeah, you know. <laughs> no, so it's very fascinating. But obviously the character, like, the Wendigo uh, figure, sorry, right. is pretty much ubiquitous in its, like, you know, its, it's uh, carnivorous, flesh-consuming... Yeah. I haven't actually seen any other conceptions of it myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, sign I, I, I may be getting this from also the Graveyard Tales episode you mentioned earlier, but it could be some a way of saying, well, this is what happens if you start eating your friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's a morality tale, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. exactly. Mm-hmm. And I buy into that. I, I, I definitely buy into that. Mm-hmm. From like an anthropologist's lens, I guess you would say. Yes, so you you, you have this people. problem where people are eating each other and you're trying to figure out how they, to get them to not eat each other. Definitely <laughs> talk about an all-consuming evil beast that lives within you uh, is a good idea. And also there's something called the 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 Wendigo psychosis, the idea that you become like, right. and it's largely been debunked, right? But it's this whole idea that like it can happen to you if you start eating flesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've heard of this. Yeah. I don't know if I, I don't know how much I buy into that. I always tend to not like... I don't really buy into like mass hysteria claims and things like that. I I just I just don't. I think there's more to we, folklore and things like that. Well, we need oh, to talk sure. to a certain uh, Chilean rugby team to see if they became Wendigos. Oh, did you? <laughs> yes, indeed. Did you want to send do. that tweet out? <laughs> yeah. What was that? Did you want to send a tweet out to all of the surviving members? <laughs> yeah, alive. All right. Well, I'm going to give you some double density homework for you to take care of that in that case. <laughs> uh, maybe I could just get in touch with Ethan Hawke because I think he was in that movie. I, it has been so long since I've seen Alive that I don't even remember who's in it. I I definitely saw it way too young. I was like 10, I think. I don't think I've ever seen I've that movie. I've never seen it. <laughs> well, I read the book in, I think, grade nine. We was this like, a, a fun, like a for funsy book? Or was this like a school No, no, book? this was for school. This was for grade nine. Crazy. Your teacher like was like, here's alive. the book Alive. Read it and try to figure out what it means. That's intense and grade the class nine. class loved it. We loved it way better than Brave New World. Uh, anyways let me get into this book talk here (laughs) um but just just sort of to close things off for the window i think it's kind of cool that um it's this weird sort of intersection in between like belief reality and superstition that kind of like that weird zone that kind of exists where it could happen but probably not right and you were saying before the idea of like the the idea of like the windigo psychosis and mass hysteria i definitely don't buy into any of that and it's funny because if you do any research it kind of shows that um this suggestion was sort of like pre-colonial in some areas and then as soon as like um, people from Europe had started appearing, then suddenly this psychosis had disappeared. So it's kind of like a little too facile of an explanation of like what it is right. uh, hmm. in order for it to exist too. So I feel like there's like a lot of holes to poke on that end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you on that for sure. All I know is I would not want to meet one. Definitely <laughs> not. I mean, it sounds like the freakiest thing ever, pretty much. Like, and if you yeah. look, I mean, from the fo- from the it, photos, from the imagery, <laughs> <laughs> from, the fo- from the images of them, I mean, some of them have like antlers and like the face is like half skull, half human mm-hmm. face, and it's just like it's. I mean, that's a yeah, that's nightmare, nightmare incarnate for sure. So, 
stick 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 antlers on any sort of weird monster type thing it's that much more freaky yeah definitely antlers on like anything but a cute little deer are kind of freaky (laughs) we even uh came across depictions of the ogopogo with oh yeah yes our local lake monster Mm. and yeah very cool antlers on him too yeah yeah how does he swim with that i know right i don't know know. (laughs) not very efficient i mean none of the sightings have antlers which is sort of interesting only about all the the folklore indigenous depictions are you wondering what's up with the latest tech news is the last privacy issue total mumbo jumbo to your ears what about the company that got hacked what does it mean to you Well, look no further, RGBA has you covered. We not only discuss what's happening today in the world of technology and Apple, but we're also reviewing tech products and taking the time to understand all of the real-life implications of the latest hack story. Tune in to RGBA.fm, where my co-host Tyler and I take a weekly dive down the series of tubes to surface news, rumors, and have the occasional coffee discussion or even a tech adventure. Listen to us on RGBA.fm for colorful tech news and reviews. Uh, but moving things slightly eastward, Angelo, you wanted to talk about, uh, I guess, your backyard very quickly, but also um, a really interesting UFO sighting that isn't too far away from where we both work. Yeah, initially we were going to talk about uh, where I live, but it's... Uh, it's literally your house. <laughs> yeah, li- like literally I can see the mountains. So I live in a town called Mont Saint-Hilaire, which apparently has uh, the highest concentration of UFO sightings in Quebec. Really? I've lived here over 10 years never seen one uh, so and my wife lived here when she was a child and stuff and she saw one ufo but it ended up being a hoax because it was for the radio station interesting we do sometimes <laughs> yeah uh, we had we had no internet back then radio stations had to fake ufos <laughs> uh and uh but the mountain's quite beautiful and there are like you can see a, a lot of stars here because we're more so out in the country than where brian lives in like the inner city uh and uh, we did do an episode in my backyard to kind of see if we can find any UFOs while we were doing the episode. And Brian, did we see any UFOs? I want to say yes, but it was it was a no. No, we saw a kick-ass full moon, but no UFOs. <laughs> that could yeah, have the been a UFO. Of my week. <laughs> the moon, oh, the moon that was it. No, the the moon is a UFO. Like it's a base. What, yeah, it's a base. It's an alien base. <laughs> yeah, we read it. <laughs> It's actually, uh, there's also a theory that the dark side of the moon is a home to the secret astronaut corps, if you listen to certain uh, conspiracy theorists. Oh, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Don't right. ask me how to get there. That's the only thing I have no clue, but like, I know that perhaps it's up there. It's all a simulation, guys. <laughs> it's all a simulation. <laughs> the Matrix, Thanks, Elon. <laughs> Uh, but instead of talking about too much about Mont Saint-Hilaire, if you want to hear us talk about it, we did mention it relatively in depth in episode 16, where we did the episode in my backyard. Um, but I want to talk about an interesting case we haven't talked about, even though we live in Montreal or we've lived in Montreal. Um, on November 7th, 1990, there was a relatively famous sighting just above Place Bonaventure. Now, the fun thing about Place Bonaventure is I go in and out of that every day when I go to work because my train arrives at the station because it's where Central Station in Montreal is. And apparently that night, around 7.20 p.m., there was, people were on the rooftop, there's a pool up there, and they started seeing this weird green and amber yellow light that were like becoming a solid object. It was quite strange. An American tourist was the first to spot it, and she went to mention the lifeguard who called 
security who then called the police who then called the RCMP. It was like a whole cavalcade of everybody coming and see this thing. And the crazy thing is, is that it lasted for about three hours. Oh, wow. And the only crazy. reason it stopped is, yeah, and it was covered by clouds. That's the only reason it really stopped. One of the people that was there uh, was a journalist, and he started taking pictures using a good camera that he had uh, with him. It, he wasn't a photographer, though, so he called one of his friends who was a photographer and told him to start stabilizing the camera and using a long exposure, which is something Brian likes to talk about when it, when he tells people how to take pictures of UFOs. Right, Brian? And just anything in general that you want to capture, like don't be an idiot with your camera. <laughs> Dumb. <laughs> like me, I don't really know how to use the night vision settings on our camera. I don't think. Well, the, the trick is not to use those settings because they're ah, usually terrible. Okay. And never use a flash. Never use a flash. A flash is terrible, especially yeah. if you're trying to take a picture of UFO. You're just going to end up taking pictures of bugs or dust, and then you'll think you got pictures of orbs, yep. which are not. Yep. Um, Anyway, these journalists took some pictures. There's some actually pretty good pictures. We'll post them in the show notes. There's a relatively few, a few really long articles about this, actually. And um, yeah, one of the things, though, is that they were saying that they kind of looked like the Aurora Borealis. Okay. And there was uh, a man named uh, Bernard Jeanette, who was a few blocks away. And that's what he was saying. He said it looked like the Aurora Borealis. Now, the fun thing is, he was at the time, in 1990, he was actually a member of MUFON. And later on, he wrote a paper with a um, former doctor, uh, physicist from uh, NASA. And they wrote a whole paper about this. Now, something to keep in mind about this paper, if you do seek it out and find it, I can actually find the actual paper, but there's a lot of summaries online. Something to keep in mind, he was a member of MUFON. Uh, Dr. Richard Haynes, who was the former NASA employee, he was a UFO enthusiast. So they came at it from that point of view that... You know, they right. wanted it to be a UFO. So that's some things we, all, we always have to be worried. The problem is, is that people who write about UFOs are either skeptics or ufologists. Right. There's nobody really in the middle who's writing about them from a place with no bias, which is kind of unfortunate. The thing, the whole time I was reading this, though, when they were saying that this event took over three hours, is I wish it happened now because right now everybody has like an HD camera mm -hmm. in their pockets. And this never seems to happen anymore. I bring this up all the time, but why does it not happen to have like a UFO sighting over a major city for hours upon hours? Hmm. And it makes me kind of sad. It'd be kind of cool if we would have been able to see this in full glorious 4K. A few explanations were put forward about this whole event. Um, one of the ones that's interesting is that it could have been the Northern Lights. Although in Montreal, I've lived there for, uh, well, I guess 40 years at this point. And I've never seen the Northern Lights. It's kind of hard to see them with all the light pollution. So I think that's not really a good explanation. There's also the one of um, the lights reflecting from a nearby construction site. But apparently the RCMP, when they were there, called the construction company to turn off the lights. And they were not, ref they were, it wasn't what was reflecting from the clouds. Hmm. The explanation I like the most actually seems the most far-fetched. But it's possible because of the way the lights looked. If you look at the picture and then there's pictures of what I'm going to say now, there's it could be the pool. There's pictures of the lights from the rooftop pool that kind of huh. create the right formation. So it's Ooh. possible everything was aligned perfectly with the atmosphere, the clouds that made the lights reflect from the pool. Could oh. be an explanation or could have been aliens. Could have been. 
Could have been. I don't know. I, I kind of hope it was aliens. I don't think it was. <laughs> the super interesting thing that was, and what you keep saying is that like RCMP officers, Montreal police officers, bystanders, journalists, like there's a whole like menagerie of people there in order to capture all of these events, right? And nobody had their iPhone with them because they weren't time travelers. <laughs> <laughs> well, time travel is a whole other kind of subject that we'll probably broach again uh, one day soon, right? Of course, we want to bring John Titor back. He comes, he seems to come back in time all the time. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's busy hanging out in twenty thirty six. So <laughs> he needs that old computer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and as you know, Angelo, my whole reason as to why we don't see UFOs anymore is because we've developed all of our tech using um, UFO technology. Of course, Philip Corso. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, moving even more eastwards from Quebec to New Brunswick, you guys wanted to cover uh, something kind of interesting uh, mm-hmm. uh, that happens within the province, or rather is lit- located within the province. Yeah, so this one, I mean, I'm sort of cheating a little bit, you guys, to be totally honest with you. This is kind of a shared one between Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, I guess you could you could argue. You could. Um, but we're heading to the Bay of Fundy. So we've been planning on doing... I love I'm I'm into pirates. I love stories about pirates and lost treasures and all that kind of stuff. I'm I'm, I'm a little kid when it comes to stuff like that. But I had never heard of this guy before. So there was a pirate. He was it was a he was an English guy who came over in 1690 to Canada or well to Massachusetts. I guess technically his name was Edward Lowe. Uh, Ned Lowe was his nickname. And not to be confused with Edward Teach, who was the infamous Blackbeard. And definitely was operating kind of around the same time. But uh, this guy was just as hardcore as Blackbeard. So basically, Ned Lowe was just, yeah, a pirate operating on the East Coast from Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, in the Bay of Fundy, all the way down into the Caribbean. He was ruthless. He slaughtered a lot of people. He he was known... Arthur Sir Arthur Conan Doyle ended up uh, using stories about him and uh, wrote a bunch of stuff about him, described him as a savage and desperate pirate, and was known for his amazing and grotesque brutality. So, I don't know. That sounds pretty hardcore. Definitely. He, he's, up there, he's up there in the upper echelon of, uh, of buccaneers, I guess you would say. But, yeah, it's kind of cool to think that there's potentially his treasure somewhere in the uh, proximity of New Brunswick. So there's a little island called Isle... Oh my God, I'm going to mispronounce this, but it's like Isle Hout? H-A-U-T. Hout. Isle Hout. Which is supposedly an island that has also been frequented by... Was also frequented by Captain Kidd. And of course, I don't know if you guys have looked into pirates at all or like Captain Kidd or any of that, but like he's got treasure everywhere. There's Captain Kidd treasures everywhere. Like... Middle America, even, there's Captain Kid treasures because there's a story about, like, everything for this guy. Like, landlocked Middle America? Oh, my God. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm joking. I'm half joking, but there's literally, like, okay. there's so <laughs> many stories about Captain Kid treasure. Like, every single island and coastal town has a story about how they have the treasure, buried treasure of Captain Kid. But that's well, what... one of the big things is Oak Island, right? Like, Oak Island's one of the places where Captain right. Kid's treasure, some of the treasure was, was buried, apparently. Right, exactly. That's another potential location. But that's why this one was cool, because supposedly, in terms of, you know, the research, the Ned Lowe treasure is supposedly more real. There's not a lot of stories about him having a treasure anywhere else. So, yeah, this little Isle Hout in the Bay of Fundy, there was a guy... I mean, there's been hundreds of people looking for this treasure, 
and they've dug up the island, so I don't know if it's actually there. It could still potentially be there. It's a pretty inhospitable place mm-hmm. with, like, super jagged cliffs on the one side, and they're only, when I was looking at Google Maps, only seemed to be kind of one good spot to land your ship, and then, you yeah, know, it's like really cliffs, dense eh? forest uh, in the middle section or whatever. But there was a few people who tried to look for it and claimed that they found something. So in 1929, there was a Vancouver, B.C. guy named Douglas Charmichael. What a name. Mm. Carmichael. Carmichael. Oh, I have an H in here. (laughs) Miss Typo. Anyway, Douglas Carmichael. That makes a lot more sense. He found jewels and coins, um, and he supposedly sent them for analysis, and they got lost. So of course they did. Of course they did, right? <laughs> That's interesting because I heard an alternative version okay, where he claimed he found these coins and whatever else, and they were essentially confiscated by oh, I don't know if it was like the Canadian government or whatever, but they I don't know because it, it was like kind of like a archaeological discovery, and they weren't really sure what he had unearthed. So I think what they wanted to do was catalog it, see, and then he actually applied to get it back. And the story I heard was that he actually did end up getting his coins back in the end. Really? I don't know. Okay. Could be totally untrue. <laughs> when I first read it, it just reminded me of all the things we've read before with like stuff being sent to the Smithsonian and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. Like there's a Bigfoot cast sent <laughs> and then, oh, wait, oh, we just lost it. I don't know. Yeah. Very convenient. Yeah. So anyway, that was... um it's a cover up. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's, people are still going back to the, to this island every year. And there's tours, apparently, that you can uh, you can take to kind of, like, circle the island. I don't know if they actually, like, land and let you go search for treasure. But there's people that believe that it's still out there, and they go back every single year. So I don't know. Like, what's your guys' take on that? Well, forget Disney World for this summer. I think that's where we're going. Grab a shovel. You're, so are both your kids strong enough to hold a shovel? <laughs> yeah, of course they are. Okay, so, like, that's a really good start to go with that, I guess. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> grab your shovel. We're going to... <laughs> New Brunswick, looking for treasure in the Bay of Fundy, where we can drown because of the tides. I, on the other hand, have sort of like lived with a lot of this. So I had a prof in Sejap, which is like junior college in Quebec, who actually specializes in Oak Island and the money pit and the mystery. So I've kind of done a lot of like unofficial exploring about this sort of like concept of like buried treasure, um, especially in the Maritimes, which is super fascinating. So to me, it's... The plausible, but not probable, I guess would be the best way of putting it. I can see that. It's... It was so common for pirates to go there because it was an accessible port around there that there's bound to be some treasures that we haven't found yet, of of course. Mm -hmm. They used to hide them so well that they probably forgot themselves where they were. Or when they tried to get back to it, it just wasn't uh, working out and they couldn't get back. I mean, the thing about this particular small island is like, I mean, and like lots of the ones where there are supposed buried treasures, it's like very inaccessible Mm -hmm. and it's, it's not... It's not just like sandy beaches, 360 degrees, you know what I mean? So, (laughs) you know, like what if, if, like I look at and I see these cliff faces and I always think like people are always thinking like, oh, you know, treasure is buried, like buried in the sand. Well, what if someone strapped a rope to a tree and propelled down the cliff and found a cave and stashed it in there or something and they just took some time and were like handing it down with like a rope and pulley and it's stashed in a (laughs) cliff face or something crazy. Maybe. I don't know. All right, here's... Here's a question for all of you, right? Now that we've broached the topic and blown this wide open, what is the ideal place to hide a treasure if you're a pirate? Good question. Oh, man. I don't know. Yeah. 
probably my right probably my sock drawer because everybody knows I'm broke. <laughs> yeah. So that's Your the best drawer. place to keep the it. The same place where he keeps his passport, which mysteriously. Oh went yeah, that's missing. another episode. My passport just disappeared. <laughs> it's gone. Oh no. Yeah. So I can't come visit you guys anytime soon. But <laughs> we'll find it. It's around. Wait, you don't need a passport to come to Quebec? <laughs> On a plane, you do. Yeah, you got to. No, you don't. You don't. In country. No, you don't. You, is that still a thing where you can just use your driver's license and get on a plane? Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. Get out of town. No way. Okay, I'm booking a ticket. Well, I was oh, doing no. a lot of I was doing a lot of traveling for business like two years ago, and I, I forgot to bring my passport once, and they they waved me through with a driver's license. No way. Okay. Hey, so good, to doable. Know. Hmm. good to know. Good to know. Wait, don't. I don't know. I think Brian. I, I think I think that might be right. Well, that's really. Are you googling? Because the last plane you were on was to Vancouver, and you took your passport. And remember, you left it on the plane, and then they got it back to you. Andrew just keeps on joking. Like this is a new episode. It's just the lost passport. Andrew's lost passport because I got in the bedroom trying to find it, and it's not. Oh my gosh, we ripped this place apart. Yeah, never found it. Oh no, we're so off topic again. This is classic. (laughs) ADHD. That's fine. That's fine. That's what the that's what the editing section is for. Right. right. I think the ideal place to to hide a treasure is on the beach, and then you just put an X there. Right. That's that's what you're supposed to do. And then just Keep let the easy. waves wash it away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like in, or in shark infested waters. That's yes. Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Just you can't get it, but it's hidden. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just get a yeah. You could just get a big boat full of people you don't like, and each one of them dives down to try to get it back up for you. You wear one of those cool shark suits. Yeah, yeah. I do like the idea of bringing minions into the equation, right? Like the idea that you'd have like a lackey or something who would do these things for you, but you never tell them what's in there. All those cute little yellow guys. Those are great. We're not talking about those, Angela. Come on. My your your parent warped mine. Oh, if only the minions could be a real thing, that'd be sweet. Right? It would be sweet, yeah. Super helpful. Maybe this, that's like a Kickstarter waiting to happen right there. Well, I'm at the point where I can understand what they say. <laughs> that is, that's super sad, dude. Well, because that's they, they speak a mix of Italian and French, right? And oh, I speak both those languages, over. so I understand them. Is that true? That's actually a thing? I is thought it was thing? gibberish. No, they, there's there's a lot of Italian and French mixed in there. Cool. That's, so what do they actually that's tell too you? That's funny. Like when the minions speak to you at night, what do they say? They usually say to beware of shadow people. Well, that's a that's see they're looking out for you. That's that's a great thing to do. <laughs> oh, oh Angelo, let's just call it quits, and I'll go find someone who doesn't understand what the minions are saying. <laughs> it's funny you bring that up because I've seen so many gifts with minions in them, and I purposely avoid them because I'm just like, eh, you know what? They're just they're everywhere. These stupid minions. I don't know. So- if- We've talked about this on the on like the podcast or just like offline, but like there's a certain type of person who posts minions um, through social media, and I usually don't interact with them. Um, <laughs> See, for I do not want to be one of those people, so I am not using them. <laughs> I feel like we've offended Angela, but that's okay. No, it's Aww, all fine. It's Angela, all fine. I'm sorry. I'm not I'm offended sorry. at all. They are really cute. I just I don't know. They don't really encompass my personality per se. <laughs> yeah, because you're not like 46 and have like 3,000 cats. <laughs> Right. I'm working on it, though. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Switching gears from New Brunswick to Nova Scotia, we're going to go all the way to the bottom of Nova Scotia. We're going to go to Shag Harbor, where um, some people have claimed that the Canadian equivalent of the Roswell UFO incident happened on October 4th, 1967. So it's a really interesting thing. So a bunch of people, and I know we've covered this on the podcast before, but it's such an interesting story that it's worth revisiting. It's just the number of eyewitnesses and then um, the RCMP get involved. But you... Basically, what happens is that there's like there's this gigantic kind of um, very very brightly lit 
object crashes into the harbor. Um, I do believe around 8.45 to 9 p.m. And then uh, basically a bunch of fishermen notice this and a bunch of townsfolk notice this. So they all hop into their boats and they start searching and combing the area for this uh, downed craft or whatever it is because uh, apparently it could be uh, either a downed satellite or a downed uh, terrestrial test craft or a downed aircraft of like unknown origin uh and then the rcmp of course gets involved in the following days and they themselves uh, start combing um the seas and don't find anything either officially speaking uh and i find it's, it's really interesting because it's such an enduring thing right so you know if you go to shy harbor there's actually like a museum there for uh dedicated to the incident as well as a festival that happens uh during the summer every year that celebrates um this like kind of like weird uh community Incident, I guess, would be the best way of saying it. Hmm. And it's another UFO near water. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. Continue the trend. And the really interesting thing is that the RCMP got really involved, as well as the U.S. Navy to a certain extent, because of the fact that it happens so close to uh, U.S. borders, because where Shag Harbor is, is kind of like near uh, like Maine, pretty much. So they kind of both got involved. And they, I mean, there's like so many theories as to what it was for everything from like a satellite to a test craft, American slash Canadian. And then the idea of the involvement of um, both sets of governments kind of set people off too. Because usually if you call something in, they're like, oh, great, it's a down, whatever, who cares? Because no one actually has reported anything missing. But in this case, like both of them got involved, both of them trawled the waters too. Interesting. I, I find the, yeah, I find the, the whole molten like metal stuff really interesting about it. And, did they re- they recovered some stuff, didn't they, Brian? Yeah, they covered trace like like pieces of um, some kind of metal. That I think they had tested. I can't remember what it is offhand, but yeah, they got it tested. Mm. Or did it, well, did it get lost on the way to the testing facility? <laughs> As always. <laughs> yeah. um, but then the Condon Commission, which is like one of these U.S. governmental bodies, also got involved and said that there was like nothing there in their reporting of the incident too, which I thought was kind of interesting because the Condon Committee doesn't really go out of their way to talk about non-U.S incidents but they've kind of noted it in this case hmm. fascinating i've never actually heard of this yeah you, you haven't huh <gasps> you, but so this is what's fun about having you guys on because our podcast is very ufo centric i think <laughs> what in terms of the paranormal stuff we've talked about i guess a good 60 to 70 percent of it yeah is, i'd say 60 if not more yeah. yeah and um we're meeting a lot of people where it's like ufos are one of their like newer things mm-hmm. that they're they're coming across when it comes to the paranormal, and uh, I guess we can lump you guys into that group too. We are definitely bit. in that group. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's it, it it's not because of lack of interest or anything like that at all. It's just like um, I don't know. I guess the information or the stories and and things UFO related we were exposed to before we decided to do the podcast, and we we had like your show and our strange skies with Christofferson mm-hmm. and and a few other shows as well. We are perception of we didn't have like a negative perception of like ufo research or anything like that obviously we're open to all all things but i don't know we didn't have the it was one of those subjects where we don't really have the sort of like i don't even know like we weren't stimulated there was nothing that was like super so compelling and now that we've had we've had these podcasts to reach out to now we've been chatting with rob a bit and we are really pumped to do this one ufo (laughs) case i don't know if you guys ever heard of charlie red star yeah 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 we're looking into that i'm actually reading that book right now by oh shoot i can't remember his name oh it's right in front of me grant cameron <laughs> the, the one that came out last year um it looks, it? i think it's one of the it looks ones. pretty new and fresh uh let's see <laughs> it is it is new and fresh but it's actually like an older manuscript that <gasps> right. shelved. i don't know if you guys knew that but it's kind of crazy it was like 35 
five years old. I know yeah, he was like, yeah. I don't that's even. I literally, he said he threw it away. Like when I was reading the intro, and he was like, his sister literally saved it, and she was the family historian, is how he describes it, and and just pocketed it away and was like, just handed it to him when she thought he was ready, kind of thing. It was like publish this, <laughs> and it's amazing. It's fascinating. I actually had thought about doing uh, the Charlie Red Star for Manitoba, but I realized that we've done like two UFO things. So I found something uh, haunted instead. And that's <laughs> what we'll talk about or have talked about, I guess, technically in your episode. Cool. Yes, we have talked about Indeed. it already. We have. Yeah, it, yeah, it, oh, yeah. it was a great episode. It was <laughs> so much fun to do. Uh, <laughs> nuggets of joy. But yeah, it is such an interesting kind of case. And once again, um, in the Shag Har- Harbor um case uh, like the rcmp gets involved again right so it's kind of like i i feel like we've chosen um cases angela and i where there's like official involvement to some degree you know and it's not just like a single witness kind of story necessarily mm-hmm. hello all you curious creatures out there i'm amber ray and i'm andrew mckay and we are the hosts of into the portal If you like myths, legends, history with a paranormal twist, join us every week as we explore lesser-known mysteries of our world and beyond. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, and all other major podcast platforms, and at intotheportal.com, your gateway to the bizarre. The only question is, do you dare peer into the portal? So, moving on over from Nova Scotia to uh, PEI, you guys want to talk about some uh, interesting... Uh, vessels that may or may not exist right right yeah so i was the one that kind of looked into this and originally well we're gonna start off yet we're talking about the ghost ship of northumberland strait so this is the body of water that essentially separates pei from the mainland nova scotia and basically since about 70 1775 sorry sightings of this mysterious ghost ship have been spotted in this body of water so, yeah, reports describe um, a schooner with, or scho- schooner, I don't know, I'm not really schooner. a boat person, yeah, a schooner, a schooner. schooner, you know, a schooner. schooner, but anyways, <laughs> that's so Canadian, <laughs> right, okay. schooner, you gotta put that inflection it's there, it's funny, when I first started listening to you guys, I told Brian, I'm like, they're so Canadian, it's wonderful, <laughs> that's awesome, that makes yeah. me happy, so anyways, this schooner, um, that was reported to be sawn, sawn scene. Oh my gosh, I don't even know how to speak anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> basically, it had about three, normally three masts. Sometimes it was reported to be four masts. And basically, this this ship arises out of the mists of the horizon, and in full view of spectators, it bursts into flames, which engulf the entire ship in a matter of minutes. Well, onlookers look on. <laughs> onlookers look on. Okay, and that made a lot of sense creepy. too. That's super yeah. creepy. So it's very curious, and I actually, I dug into this a little bit more because I was like, hmm, maybe there's some real-life cases that would maybe back this up. And there actually was. There was this, uh, another schooner, schooner, <laughs> the teaser. Um, it was a little bit later on, though. So originally the sightings were reported since 1775. This teaser went down in um, 1813, during the War of 1812. And basically, this ship was one of the fastest privateering boats of the Northeast Coast that could take on any British ship. They were, yeah, privateers, so basically pirates, and they would just go and loot and raid and whatever else. But essentially, yeah, so one day, even though it was one of the fastest ships on this coast, it was chased down, 
and basically the captain, he set fire to a ship. He, yeah, he blew up the gunpowder kegs and the whole ship went down in flames. Exactly. Because he was worried about British prosecution, which is super ironic because he was one of only four people that actually survived this and he was brought down. I think he was actually hung in the end. Oh, good time. Yeah. So he (laughs) killed off his crew. It was like a 30 man crew. Only four survivors. And then basically the ship went down in 1813, but less than a year later, it was spotted again, but this time as a ghost ship. So could this be the same ship? Could it? Could it not? I don't know. But anyways, yeah, there are definitely some more skeptical opinions that basically say that it's a mirage caused by the angle of light hitting the ocean horizon in such a way as to create the illusion of a ship on Get fire, town which that. to me in my mind seems a little <laughs> bit too detailed. You're seeing three or four masts. That's like, like, you know, like swamp that's gas. A... Just that's the swamp right? gas of, yes. the, of this story. So yeah, I thought this was super cool though. Whenever I hear the idea of uh, the mirage, it always reminds me of like a Scooby-Doo episode where it's just like the idea of like the ghost ship was actually just like a guy in a flashlight holding up his fingers yeah. or something stupid like that. So <laughs> yeah. I, I tend to not believe that. It's just like yeah. a bed sheet or something. You're like, what? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm right, I'm right there with you. So I think I heard Andrew scoff a bunch. So I, I agree with Andrew's assessment that it's probably something a little more involved than uh, a mirage or a trick of the light. Mm-hmm. Or at least I'd like to believe. Anyways, but... The, the one angle you could take with this, if you don't believe it's the... the oh my gosh, I'm, I'm already forgetting the name. What was this? The teaser. The teaser. And an actual With a Z ship. and not an S. Is it with a Z? Yeah. I was oh. kind of disappointed about that. I was like, the teaser. That, that seems like a weird very spelling risque. for back in the day. Right? That sounds like <laughs> a German ship. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway yeah, that's a really weird name. Yeah, well, yeah. And when I read about this, I it made me think of that scene from uh, the Goonies. I don't know if you ever seen. Oh that yeah. <laughs> but at the end, when the ship like comes out, a spoiler alert for like a thirty-five-year-old movie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I think they're just ghost ships. Kind of like are are an interesting idea because it's not the spirit of like a person or an animal or anything it's a spirit of a thing right yeah yeah if it's a if it is indeed a spirit right like whatever ghosts are if they like whatever i again i don't really think ghosts are uh an actual like the the dead or anything Mm -hmm. i think it's if there's anything with ghosts, there's some sort of scientific explanation okay. behind them. It's yeah. not something otherworldly. I always tend be... to think that it's almost an echo from the past. Or maybe Ooh, people are one. seeing something just being replayed. It almost comes back to that whole like interdimensionality and like the 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 like you know, the flipping open the book, right? And how right. each dimension could be a page and you can kind of flip through the pages and and maybe, like, maybe we can go back or forward in time, time as we perceive it. Cool. But you know what air I mean? quotes. Yeah, sorry, you guys can't see those. <laughs> Huge air quotes. I don't know. But, yeah, super interesting. And just to add to, like, the whole idea of, like, it's super detailed. Like, people on shore were saying that they could see crewmen trying to put out the flames. And it was, right. like, these ghostly figures running around on the deck of the boat. And then eventually it just sunk. Right. Is how they would describe it. And this is over a period of like three to five minutes, I think, or I don't know. How so it's long, a long but... sighting. It's not yeah. like a fleeting sighting. Like three to five minutes is a pretty mm-hmm. long time, whether it be ghosts or UFOs or anything. Like five minutes is a pretty long time. So if yeah. you can... And again, yeah, no, for sure. nobody had an iPhone with them. <sighs> again. Right? 
<laughs> Typical. Piggybacking off of what Amber said, though, in terms of like what ghosts could be, I've always had this theory that like we, we vibrate at like different frequencies, right? Mm-hmm. And the idea that like we inhabit the same earth as other people uh, simultaneously almost, yeah. but like not in the same space. Right. And so I've, I've given a lot of thought to that about how maybe that is the way in which we sometimes see ghosts as like bleed through. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Definitely. There's like an interdimensionality aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of fun to ruminate on these kinds of things because like there's always like this like sort of basis in i don't want to say necessarily philosophical thought but sort of like um thought put into the idea of what it could be with some basis of reality without saying like maybe ghosts are just uh aliens of a different nature yes right that's kind of where yeah i kind of align with that a bit for sure i like that that's Mm. cool (laughs) well i i remember reading once in a book about about ghosts and time travel and time loops and stuff, there was someone had seen these Roman centurions walking down a street in Rome and they were like cut off at the ankle, but it's not because their ankles were missing. It's because when they were alive marching down the street, the street was actually a few inches lower. So they were walking on the actual street. Oh, that's cool. That they were supposed to be on. Now, again, this person could be making up the whole thing, (laughs) but it's kind of an interesting idea that they're not on the same plane as we are because they're they're like echoes, like you were saying, Amber, Mm -hmm. of another time, and they're bound to that time. So that's why they're the echoes not on the current street; it's on the street as it was hundreds of years ago. Man, that's cool. That is cool. I like that a lot. <laughs> I'm going to have nightmares of Roman centurions half walking into my room. Marching into your room. I used to have the same nightmares about Terry Fox, man. So. Why? Oh, man. <laughs> because he's freaky. He's got one leg <laughs> and he's like, he's like, he would come through my wall. Like he would be like hobbling, you know, that, that oh characteristic God. limp thing. And I, I'm sorry, he's a hero. Yeah. And he's right great. I'll have to cut this out of the show to not have like protesters. Yeah, I say course. so. <laughs> No, so. I love Terry Fox, but he used to scare me. Like when you're young, <laughs> when you're bizarre. like in grade one kindergarten, they show you those videos. Like that can be traumatizing. This is news. This is news to me. <laughs> so well, he's galloping into he's your gall- space. Yes. Yeah, he would gallop through my my like wall into my bedroom it's towards like the Kool Aid Man, except Terry Fox. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. Except no damage to the structure of the building. Okay? Oh, <laughs> yeah. That is a very explicitly Canadian like fear to have. Yeah, it <laughs> is. <laughs> it's like, now I'm just embarrassed. Yeah, uh, I'd say. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> look. A pro tip: I, I mentioned it in our Twitter DMs. Is if you want to have like no sleep. Read about Angie Cooney Lake before bed. Yeah, totally. I'm going to. <laughs> yeah, I want to do some more research. Do that some one. definitely some more research. Like that like... sounds like a full length episode. Yeah, that's for exactly sure. what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. What could space be? What could it be made of? What the heck is all those lights out there? Is just just a black curtain with holes in it? I don't know. I'm trying to find out. Double density. And then moving things forward, we're going to take the Confederation Bridge all the way to Newfoundland and Labrador for our final province slash territory of this grand trip that we've taken together. You guys want to talk about a very interesting cryptid. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. So... Okay, there's a whole bunch of, I mean, obviously there's, there's a ton of cryptids in Canada and there's a lot of lake monsters in Canada, but this one 
other than Ogopogo, because we're from Kelowna, is is definitely my favorite. Although the name Cressy doesn't exactly lend a lot of legitimacy to the cryptid, I think, just because of obviously Nessie. Mm. And then there's Bessie, I think, is another one. And there's a whole bunch of Essies in terms of lake monsters. Dumb. But there's supposedly a lake monster that has come to be known as Cressy in, the, in a lake in the small town of Robert's Arm, Newfoundland. So... Lake Crescent, obviously. I guess that's the source of the name. That makes sense. That does make sense. (laughs) There you go. But at the same time, obviously, Nessie, Cressy, Bessie. You know, I mean, you think you could come up with something a little bit more unique. Doesn't it remind you how, like, there's, like, a million cities in the U.S. called Springfield? Right. Or, like, Lakeshore Road in every Canadian city. There's always a Lakeshore Road. Right. You're like... We, We have lakeshores here, I think. We do. I'm sure there's yeah. there's a few. I feel I'm like sure. in every city I visit, at least in the Okanagan and in this province, there's always a lake shore. Yeah, we're, there's a lake shore. We're like the the king and queen of tangents today. Sorry. I don't know why, but like yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's no, fine. This is fine. This is what the whole this is all about being on on uh, double density. Is cool. Tangent yeah. after tangent. Talking about fun things like lake shores. Like lake, uh, like lake, lake shores. On, and cryptids that sound like crest dentists made them. <laughs> Just fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, but anyway, let's try. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep going. He's going. Okay, so yeah, okay, power through. It's okay, so Lake. Okay, so we're on Lake Crescent, <laughs> the source of the name. We solve the mystery. Okay, but this is supposed to be essentially very similar to the Ogopogo of Lake Okanagan, in the sense that the descriptions of it are basically a massive eel-like creature from ranging from 15 to 25 feet, and there are a few. Other kind of random references that say it's even up to 50 feet, but that's not, doesn't jive with the rest of uh, the rest of the accounts. But there's definitely a ton of people in the local town of Robert's Arm that have seen this thing. So, I mean, one account's from this guy in 1991, Fred Parsons, who was just driving along the road, saw something surfacing. So he pulls over, and this time he actually did. It wasn't an iPhone. I'm sorry, you guys. It wasn't an iPhone. But he did have a super retro-looking 1991 video camera that, for some reason, he was just kind of had on his passenger seat of his car, I guess. And he did catch footage of this. So, <laughs> sorry, I'm just laughing at the idea that like he's like the local pervert or something, and he's just like he was looking. Yeah, he just came from like the... through people's windows, and then suddenly like found a cryptid instead. Yeah, he was. Well, you know, at least he had the camera, I guess. But I mean, <laughs> but um, there, he, he that video you can find it. So I have a link for it. I'll send it over so you guys can can share it in the notes. But yeah, he saw this creature basically submerge and then, uh, or sorry, surface and then resubmerge multiple times. And he wasn't too far offshore. And this is basically just like a common theme from from a bunch of other witnesses. I don't know. Have you have you guys heard of this before? Have you heard of Cressy no. before? No. Okay. I had never heard of Cressy, and then um, I luckily I went to the Wikipedia page, and uh, there's a really good artist rendition of uh, <laughs> what it would look like, especially in comparison uh, next to a woman. So I highly urge everyone to it go. It definitely looks check like a video out. still of some sort. Yeah, definitely. I I highly urge everyone to go yeah. to this Wikipedia article to see this uh, artistry. It is. It is compelling. It, it is, is compelling. It is compelling. <laughs> I'm, I'm there right now. I'm looking at it. I'm seeing. Um, what was that? Did you come across that 80s 
incident when the pilot crashed and drowned in Crescent Lake, what? according no. to Wikipedia. Oh, yes, 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 and yes, I did. And the scuba divers attempting to retrieve his body were attacked yeah. by uncommonly large eels. Yeah, so that was Weird. another one eels. of the stories. So that's yeah. one of the theories is that there's oh. a basically a giant ancient prehistoric eel that is Ooh. occupying Lake Crescent, and that's one of the theories for Ogopogo and Lake Okanagan as well. But yeah, this plane crashed in this one story, uh, pilot's dead, Apparently, there was an RCMP team sent to retrieve the body, and they were attacked by giant eels. Of course, when um, Joe Nickel, who is a uh, you know renowned cryptozoologist, went to Lake Crescent and was interviewing people about this, there's no records of that in the RCMP archives at all. Interesting. Never, never, never happened. Hmm. Uh, so I want to ask you guys, I know nothing about eels. Are they usually aggressive? No. Yes, oh, yes. Really? Uh, well, certain types, it depends. But yeah, there, yeah there's definitely... They're ocean-dwelling eels, though. Yeah. They're so what, the lake eels. ones are bottom dwellers, yeah. and they're not. Yeah, lake eels are bottom dwellers, and they're typically not aggressive. But there's definitely, you know, I'm, I'm, the name escapes me right now. But there's, I think it's the Congor eel or something like that. It's called. Mm. Can't remember exactly, but it's gnarly. Like it's one you would not want to run into in tropical salt water. But in terms of freshwater, no. There's, 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 there's nothing that we know of at all. I mean, it would have to be something prehistoric or something mutated or something else the phrasing on that kind of makes me think that they weren't attacking the scuba divers they were maybe protecting their den could have been a nest or something i don't know i think the point of the point about that story though is the fact that these things were huge like i can't Mm. they, they didn't actually give a specific size in the description of it i had but i mean this the descriptions of this creature are 15 to 25 feet that's pretty big Whoa, okay so it's pretty massive well, and this I, I always say that stuff like um, cryptids, depending on the cryptid, uh, but things like Are you lake monsters. Crypto shame? Crypto shame? No, I'm not crypto shaming anyone. <laughs> All right, I'm uh, sorry. The, 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 Brian always makes me lose my train of thought. Uh, the, I would say that this is like a, a likely thing. Of all the things we talked about tonight, this seems like the most likely of the, um, the actual things that could have happened. And a giant eel is not super far-fetched like if it started flying and stealing people from the sky then maybe but right it's it's an eel in water again water eh? yeah and again are i just said a that's really canadian of hey that we have uh, to for this show we we've talked so much about water and the rcmp tonight we have we really have shout out to h2o and the rcmp i guess (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure they'd appreciate it yeah no i agree with you though i have to i i yeah i I definitely agree in the sense that i mean there's there's a more likely chance that there could be some sort of uh i mean we we see it like when you watch documentaries on anything cryptozoology related you'll you'll have the skeptics talk about how well you know like you know thunderbirds for example yeah well there could be a giant bird out there there's such thing as gigantism in all species there's there could be some massive bird out there the same way there could be a massive eel and then i'm sort of occupying a space a little bit more to the paranormal side of that where i think like there could be breeding populations of things like ogopogo in lake okanagan and cressy in lake crescent which is a much smaller lake but it is still really really deep Mm-hmm. And the sightings are really compelling. There was another one in the 1950s um, where there was two local men who were just taking their lunch on the beach, basically. And they realized that there was a log, a really big log, drifting against the current that was going the opposite way. It should have been drifting. And so we're like, that's really strange. And so they started to walk up along the beach and were sort of following it to see. 
And when they got a little bit closer, it just disappeared under the water really quickly. Like didn't sink down, went like down into the water, dove down into the water. And that's, that's just one of many. And I did come up with the name again. It is the Congor eel, which are said to exist between Cape Cod all the way down through into Florida. And they're up to three meters long. That's pretty Three meters long can weigh up to 140 kilograms and are super aggressive. So three meters is about 12 long, big, Mm -hmm. big, nasty things for sure. Yeah, that's uh, and so that that especially if you're in a panic or something, you know, like these these divers were saving somebody, they're busy doing that and they see a a three meter long eel in their head when they come back, they might think, oh, it was even bigger and it was attacking us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Very true, yeah. There's always that urge to like embellish, right? And I think that's a very good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, to I make agree. people stop and be like, what? Yeah. And like actually, yeah, totally. Yeah. And that's the case with I, I think on Lake Okanagan as well, with Ogopogo a lot of the time. It's the same it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, some people say up to like sixty feet. Yeah. I'd say the median Whoa. would be between fifteen to twenty. Yeah, like well, there was the one video footage uh, account with uh, Art Folden, the Folden film. It's like a famous yeah. Ogopogo footage from nineteen sixty eight, and they the analysis of that was that the object surfacing and submerging was sixty feet long. But Lake Okanagan is way bigger. I mean, it's ninety kilometers long and mm-hmm. you know a thousand feet deep, and then you have another seven hundred and fifty meters of sediment. Now I'm just trying to think. That too, what the so. heck was Lake Okanagan formed? A long time ago. It was in the Pleistocene era, right? <laughs> it was around during the last At least stone, 100 years ago. The last stone age. Oh my gosh. The last ice age last is what I meant to say. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it is, yeah, it's a glacier. It's a rift lake. The last stone age. <laughs> the last We're heading back to another age. one soon. Oh, God. <laughs> Just kidding. So anyway, that is, um, that's, the, that's the gist of Cressy. They're basically the cryptozoologist perspective on this creature is that it is less likely to exist than... Something like, say, Cadbarosaurus. Um, I don't know if you've heard about that, but that's that's out uh, on the West Coast, obviously. Mm-hmm. But like, is that what happens when somebody doesn't get their Cadbury yet? <laughs> okay. Wow. wow. All right. Well, that's one dad joke. <laughs> that's a good dad joke. That's a solid dad joke, right? There. Thank you. Let's Thank see. you. See, much. when you encourage him, I then get tweets and text messages about more dad jokes. So please do not encourage Oh, Brian, me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. I've been done. Oh, man. But I, you know what, though? I tend to believe that this thing is based in truth. I think there's, I, I, I think there's probably a breeding population of eels that are larger than the ones that are more commonly seen and then that the accounts are just exaggerated. Mm-hmm. That's my take. And that's totally plausible, right? Like, and what you were saying before, like gigantism does exist among species, right? So the idea of a gigantic eel doesn't seem as crazy as it does at the outset when you really consider uh, the outliers of a species. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. not an entire species of giants. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally plausible. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I, I like that, like, every province has their own little lake monster, too, pretty much. Pretty much. We have our own here in Quebec, and you guys have yours. Uh, Brian's trying to try and do his own little uh, mini short uh, radio show about our uh, lake monster, right, Brian? Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm going to try and go out there and try to find Memphrey. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to rent a boat or not. I'm kind of like still on the edge about that one because I need my boating license, if that were the case, my pleasure craft (laughs) license. Uh, So it's like a little involved, and that's like 30 bucks in like two hours of my time. So I'm not sure if I'm willing to do that yet. (laughs) Oh, well. Stay on the shore. I don't think Memphis going but, anywhere, man. You can go find him whenever you're ready. Yeah, I don't think so either. I'm really not worried that he's suddenly going to book it to like another part of the world. Yeah, no, you're good. 
<laughs> and with that, we bring it to a, a close in terms of our great uh, Coast to Coast adventure uh, from all the way from BC all the way to the tip of Newfoundland uh, through uh, many different provinces and territories. Uh, you guys, this has been a lot of fun. This has been awesome, man. Thank you guys journey. so much. I yeah. can't wait to, uh, yeah, we can't wait to collaborate on something again. Mm-hmm. And uh, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, so uh, once again, we, yeah, our website is intotheportal.com. And then you can find us on social media. We're on Twitter at intotheportal1. And then Amber's handle is at amberray1992. So come chat with us on there. And if you have any ideas about anything, cryptozoology or anything, come come chat with us. Any sweet stories that you want to share? We're always down for that. And uh, where else are we? You can find us on Facebook too. And our Um, Instagram. We're on on all podcast platforms. So yeah, yeah, come. Just search Into the Portal and you'll be on your way. Yeah, come give (laughs) us a listen. And and if you like it, leave a review. Please. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Angela, do you want to list off our socials or do you want me to take care of that? Uh, you usually take care of that, Brian. You know how terrible I am at that. <laughs> <laughs> you can always find Double Density over on Twitter, double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast. Same thing on Instagram. You can also head over to double density.net to check out our website. Click on the uh, guests tab to be able to see and learn a bit more about Andrew and Amber and uh, some of our past guests such as TJ from Pies and Puzzles Rob from Our Strange Guys Sam from Not Alone and of course Lollipop who lives in Angela's home (laughs) she does (laughs) and with that my friends uh, tune in next week here in Double Density as we explore the Mothman is he a down on his luck bartender or a national terror Uh, this was great having you guys we'll see you around awesome thanks guys sounds good talk soon see ya (laughs) Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to say something before you start your 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 crusty thing. But I just I went to the crusty Wikipedia page. All right, Is you guys there? go there. I'm there doing the it. I'm googling it. Drawing of crusty. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. It says an artist interpretation of crusty. He's <laughs> just. <laughs> Seen it. Oh what? my god! <laughs> oh my god! Oh, it's literally crazy. just a line. It's, it's a just line. A, there's a with stick figure woman for uh, <laughs> for comparison. I wonder how accurate the stick image is. That's got to be pretty close. She's got to put on a few pounds. Show next to human figure. That's hilarious. That's incredible. That's my new Twitter profile. There picture. you go. I put it into the show hilarious. notes, guys. <laughs> That's so good. Oh my god, <laughs> that is too funny. That's so, I've been. You know what? Like I'm. I'm working on a. I'm working on a Canadian cryptids book right now, and Cressy's one of the chapters. And I have looked at the Wikipedia, and I just never even noticed that. Just never even. <laughs> oh my god. I feel in this case, like no image would be better than this image. It's so yeah. funny. Anything would be better than that image. You could just <laughs> put, take a picture of a worm, and they'd be better. Than or the image. lake. <laughs> also. Cressy in the picture. If you zoom into oh, the picture, yeah. Cressy looks super oh, yeah. duper high. His eyes are barely open. <laughs> this is a real theater that of the mind like, kind of thing. I feel like this is like a radio play. Yeah. <laughs> and that the the woman, the comparison yeah, she's stuck woman in the, looks super, image super, with the super high. Pissed. She's got like this weird posture. Come on. <laughs>